Hello, you dirty caballeros y señoritas. Oh my God. You like that one? Yeah. Me too. Yeah, that was that's my top five. Wow. Okay. Well, hello. Welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is Steffi Cohen. And Hayden Bo. And today we have a special guest. Today we have Sarah Rowe, also known previously as Sarah Logan. She is a professional WWE. I can't never say that. WWE wrestler. There you go. <laughs> and a good friend of ours. Uh, today we talk about her life, uh, the process of becoming a professional fighter, kind of what led her there, what was her motivation to get there. Uh, and then we talk about her getting laid off from, from WWE. WWE and what her. For those who don't know, they laid off like 25, 25 people, like big, pretty much big name people. Yeah. Uh, because of everything that was happening with uh, coronavirus. Yep. So we talk a little bit about that and what her future plans are. She might be the most interesting woman in the world. Yeah, she's she gets a, a Dos Equis man to run for for his money. <laughs> she's a she's a Viking. She's a wrestler. She raises cows and hunts, chickens. Hunts and chickens. She hunts. She doesn't eat anything. She doesn't hunt. She lives on a compound in an undisclosed location. Off the grid completely. Yeah, and she, there, her, and uh, her husband Ray are on their way to becoming completely off grid, totally self sustainable off their farm. Mm -hmm. So, super interesting, super unorthodox way of living. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you guys will really like this this episode. Also, this episode's brought to you by Go Strong. And what's actually kind of cool is, you know, I'm sure if you listen to the podcast, you know they can make everything. You know they're the best equipment on the market. But what's kind of cool about our guest today is that she also works with Go Strong, and we worked out at her gym that they call the Thunderdome, and they had all this super cool customized equipment that said Thunderdome on it in the colors that they wanted, that military green and all that stuff, and it looked really, really great. So yeah. if you haven't seen that, check out the YouTube video uh, that Steffi posted on her channel where we're, where we're training in that gym. Yeah, check it out. Anyway, sit back, enjoy the podcast. What's up, Sarah? Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, of course. Huh. I love you guys. So this is a, I like legit. I've gotten probably 50 at least podcast requests because especially from like wrestling podcast places, because they want to just talk to people that are going to like, you know, talk bad about WWE or what are you going to do now? Like, where are you going to be wrestling and all that stuff? And like, I haven't even responded to any of them. <laughs> So so since since you got laid from WWE, you've got been getting all of those requests, podcast requests. You mean? But what? Sorry. Since you got kicked out or laid off or from WWE, mm -hmm. you started getting all of those requests from just like people wanting to know like what's what you're gonna do. Yeah, I kind of know what I want to do. Like a lot of people have like feelings about you know like any job, they have feelings about the company that they don't talk about until they're been released or been fired or been furloughed or whatever you want to call it. And, um, and I just like, haven't, I don't really like to talk to people. I don't know. <laughs> That's understandable. So, I know you guys. I love you guys. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do the podcast. For sure. What, um, how many years did you, did you work, uh, for WWE? Like three years. And in like retrospect, that's not a long time. Like, compared to some other people but like i worked there since i was like 20 like 2021 and uh 
And it was my first time really like moving out of my house, like moving out of my immediate area. Like I had to move to Florida and rest of for NXT. And like, it was just like the best job I've, I've ever had. And like, I, I, I let, you know, I kind of had a talk with Vince before I left. And I was like, you know, I sincerely, sincerely hope we work together again in the future. Like, I love this job. Like my husband works there. Like it was, yeah, it was my dream job, but, uh, I'm kind of excited to start like the next chapter in my life too. I've always told people that like nothing in my life has like, like my life has always led me in the right direction. Like always mm-hmm. like in, in times where like I've had like situations in my life where I had like a decision, like I can either go this way, or this way. And like the decision I chose has always worked out for the, for the best. And I have a wonderful life. And I, I guess like if I could have lost anything in this like COVID crazy nonsense it would have been like my job mm-hmm. wow like let's, nothing else could have been replaced you know of course let's um i i do want to touch on kind of i want to do like a little summary of how you got to wwe to begin with like what's your athletic background what led you to pursue a career in wrestling uh and kind of how like how does how does the trajectory look like for someone who wants to get into wwe to get in um there's like one or two ways you can say maybe it's an absolute grind or you're somewhere doing some other sport and WB is like we want that person that and then and then it's like you just get shot shot to the front i unfortunately took the grind <laughs> route um i grew up in Louisville, kentucky and um that is a very strong wrestling area like it, there used to be territory back in the days back in the day and um Louisville was one of the territories where like everyone went to watch wrestling. Um, and it was always a big deal within my family. Like my grandma watched wrestling with me growing up. Like it was the only thing that made her cuss and like <laughs> go crazy. Like my mom is named after Jackie Fargo, which is an old, you know, legend of a wrestler. And, um, but wrestling was never something I thought was a tam. It was like watching Rambo and being like, man, I really want to be Sylvester's little one. You know, like <laughs> it's not something I like thought could happen. But um, I went to um, I went to this music festival and there was wrestling there. I was like, holy crap! Like this, there's smaller sexes like AAA basketball, like baseball, like there's smaller things besides major league baseball. And um, I talked to the I talked to the people that were involved in the show and they lived. So at the time in my life there, I lived in Clarksville, Indiana, which is right over the, the water, right over the high river from Louisville. And they were like, yeah, we have a show in Clarksville, Indiana, if you're close. And I was like, holy shit, I'm literally here. This town of 500 people, I am here. I will be there with bells on. <laughs> and I went and, um, and they kind of taught me, how, it's called bumping. It's where you have to train your body to fall and not catch itself. So <laughs> after I like got over that, I just started driving like there wasn't a show I wouldn't drive to there wasn't a show there wasn't a match I wouldn't do like I was wrestling on Broadway and thumbtacks and light tubes and I would just wrestle some girl whose boyfriend owns a wrestling company and she thought it'd be fun to wrestle for a night and I was just going like my debut match was in Nitro West Virginia and I went and like wrestled this girl named Mickey Knuckles for IDB East Coast and I thought like it was just off to the races then and like I had a whole pack of wrestlers in my car because I was the green one so I was driving and on these West Virginia roads I just remember my car it had like a 93 Honda Civic 
and I was pedal to the metal with these heavy wrestlers on my car. I'm going like 50 up these hills <laughs> in West Virginia. Like I probably drove three cars into the ground through my, of course I wasn't buying, like I wasn't starting with a good car. <laughs> it was all in the early to mid nineties, the, the cars I was able to buy. And, uh, I grinded and I grinded. And then my friend had extra work in WB in like Salt Lake city. She's like, Hey, if you can make the Salt Lake, like, WB like pays people to be an extra. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right, dude, I'll be like, whatever it takes, I'm going to be there. And I spent the last like $150 I had and bought a spirit flight to Salt Lake city thinking I was going to get paid for being there. Granted, I did get paid, but WB is a Fortune 500 company and they don't pay you in cash. Of course, they're going to mail a check to you. So I get there and they're like, all right, your check should be here within like two weeks. I was like, oh, good. I had no way to get home. I literally spent my last dollar getting to Salt Lake City to do extra work for WB. And like, I was calling in, like, I was like, hey, dude, you remember in second grade when I lent you like two bucks? Like, yeah, I'm going to get that back. I was calling everyone, like, do I need to get home? Because I lived in freaking Louisville. The big, I had not to drive even, so oh my God. I, it took like three days of me just like hanging out, calling in people that like I, calling in people that like I knew in Salt Lake City, like, hey, can I just crash on the floor, on your couch? Like, I'm just trying to get home. And, um. Oh, so crazy, eh? I, <laughs> after that, like, um, but granted, like before this, in my defense, I had gone to Mexico by myself. I had gone to Scotland by myself. Canada, Japan, just anyone who was like, yeah, you can wrestle at our company. I'm like, I'll be there. Like the flights, I was like, hey, I'm going to need like, I need my flight there. Like I learned that much, but like I went to Mexico City by myself and like had some people pick me up. I went to this wrestling show. I stayed at somebody's house. Like totally stuff I would very much advise against. <laughs> like I'm surprised I'm not on some network. I'm not on some 48 whatever that show is. <laughs> First like, trying to have my body. I did not do it in any safe way whatsoever. Wow. So hold on. How Especially old were you? How old were you when you were doing all of that? I was like, I started wrestling when I was 17. So probably 18. Damn, and that's I looked crazy. 12. Like I, I did not look my age at all. I looked like 12 years old. <laughs> so there's just 12. You like, imagine watching in a rat. So like you're in Mexico live there all your life. You're looking at the wrestling ring. There's 12 year old girls walking to the ring. You're like, Oh wow. I'm fresh. She's in here. Then she starts bleeding everywhere. She's <laughs> on glass and lunch. And then you're like, yeah, I'm sure people aren't comfortable. I've been comfortable watching a 12 year old looking girl bleed everywhere, but it was, it was how I got booked. So it was just, it feels like even I'm only 26, it feels like someone else's memories. Like someone told me about it and then I'm like retelling it. It feels like a lifetime ago. Like my life has changed so dramatically between even 20 to 26 that it's, yeah. it, it, it makes you kind of like excited yet nervous. Like, will you be a year from now? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know exactly. Did what you en- I mean. did you enjoy those times? Those crazy times traveling to Mexico and doing all that stuff? Or is it like a, oh my yeah. God, thank God I'm done with it. I did, but like it happened so quickly. I wish I would have like, appreciated it more like mm-hmm. i spent nine months in japan collectively like three months three separate times wow. and what were you I doing in japan super, huh what were you doing in japan uh training to be so the first time i just trained to be a wrestler the second time i was training and wrestling on the shows and i was like a young girl like what you like any asian documentary you watch about like 
even like a judo fight camp, but there's like a wrestling fight camp and you have to go, like I was sleeping on a mat on a floor upstairs in the dojo for months. And like the mat had this little space between it right where my hip was. So I'd wake up and I'd be like, let's turn. Oh, I just, it was hurt. <laughs> like I didn't have my, my shark week, my period for three months. Cause my body was in shock. It was like, we don't know what's happening. We're shutting down. Wow. I went from not working out hardly at all to like eight hours a day of lifting of like rolling and freaking air squats and push-ups. Then I would train with the Japanese people in the morning and then I would train with the Mexican girls at night. And like, it was just, I wish I would have sat back and like appreciate it more. Cause my first flight ever was to Japan. My first time at an airport. Wow. That's I was there one. like four hours early and I was like, hi ma'am. Uh, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. And she's like, Oh yeah, your gate on mission will be open like an, uh, an hour before your flight. And I was like, what's the gate information like? <laughs> I drove to the wrong airport. I drove to a like municipal airport and had to drive like nine miles an hour to the right airport in like Lexington, Kentucky. And I got pulled over. I was like, look up. I don't know what's happening. I'm trying to get to Japan. Bless his heart. He dropped my speed down to like just a speeding ticket. It wasn't reckless driving. Then I had to pay a speeding ticket in Japan. It was just, I had no time to appreciate it. Everything was just so new to me. And so like, in my face crazy and I'm sure Stephanie can relate like moving from Venezuela to the States I bet was crazy yeah yeah absolutely absolutely it's uh it's a grind it's a grind but you're right like looking back it just seems like it's a, a distant memory almost like something that didn't happen to you yeah Yeah, that is interesting. Like, like you watch the movie and you're telling like the movie yeah. to someone else. What yeah. um so I, what, what sorry. <laughs> how how so how'd you get from live, living in a dojo in Japan, you know, training multiple times a day to being like one of the most recognized people in in the WWE? Because I'm insane. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> nothing like Nothing really came to me naturally besides work ethic, right? So, like, I could suck at something, but I am going to kill myself in order to get good at it, right? So, like, I they booked me as extra work at WWE. So, I I would write, his name is John Cohn, he's a WWE referee. He was in charge of extra talent. I would write him anytime WWE was in a 10-hour radius from my house. And I would find a way to make it there on, like, a maybe, He'd be like, yeah, we might be able to use you. I'm like, dude, I'll be there. Like, I'll be there tomorrow. Like, so I just have like a very like, and it bites me in the ass sometimes, granted, but I have a very like one track mind about stuff. I'm like, this is what I want to do. And this is how I'm going to get there. That's the only thing I'm going to do. And like, it might've been like a blessing that like I got let go identity because I am so obsessive. And so anyone who like, Freaking Ryan Rousey told me this. Anyone who specializes in something is only showing a fraction of who they are. And like, race-wise job, we're not hurting on money. So like, I'm able to kind of step back and do things that I couldn't normally done specializing in something. So I'm just trying to kind of look at it like that and take advantage of that. But in order to get in, excuse you. The dog is just crazy. In order to get in like WWE, you have to just, like I said, there's two ways to get into it. But the way I did it, you have to just be like honoring. So you, that's you, what you, you want, and you got it, got like, gotta go get it. 
So you started showing up as an extra and then what happened? Someone recognized talent in you and said like, let's test you out in the main cast or how'd that happen? Um, so I think initially, cause like before SmackDown, before the coronavirus, they have like tryout matches for the extras. So you kind of go and get to wrestle, but you're wrestling in front of only WWE personnel and the wrestlers. Wow. So it's stressful. So like I wrestled and granted it was probably like, I probably wrestled terribly at this point, but I was young and I, they saw I had a passion. Mm-hmm. They saw like I wanted to be here. And like I became, I was showing up so much that people like, are you hired yet? Are you? Cause I was just there so much. Like I was Kane's concession stand manager. I was Mrs. Makeup. Or like if you look back at WWE, I'm in so many little scenes as an extra. It's crazy. <laughs> that's awesome what um what were you chasing like did you just genuinely love the sport were you, were you chasing fame were you chasing recognition money happiness like like Debbie like chasing the grind like the journey to get there made me happy the thought of being there made me happy the what it could do for my future made me happy and like anytime like it's freaking sound is gonna make me sound lame as shit. But <laughs> anytime you like can make a wish or like like I get a little eyelash and I like blow it off. I'm like, I'm not gonna wish for something specific because that might not make me happy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, like, I wish that I was Rome's champion for two years. And that happens, I'm like, shit, I shouldn't wish for that. I'm not happy right now. Like something could ha- could happen in that. So I just wish to be happy. I work to be happy. So once you uh, got there, were you happy? Um, yeah, yeah, like it it never got to a point where like and even if like of course you can't be happy at work all the time. Even mm-hmm. running your own business, doing something you love, like it's not happy all the time, but like yeah. it supported my lifestyle that made me happy. I met my husband through wrestling. Mm-hmm. I have my house because of wrestling. I know you because of wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, like it supported my lifestyle and like it had the highest of highs and like the lowest of lows. Mm-hmm. But it supported me to do that thing I always wish for on my little eyelash. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I mean, that is all awesome, but you know, I, there's so much more to Sarah Rowe than WWE. I think you're such an interesting character and, uh, yeah, yeah, you are. You're you're like, you're incredible. You're like the female version of the Dos man, the most interesting man in the world. Do it. (laughs) You're wrestling, you're you're fighting Vikings, you're you're basically building an apocalyptic compound there where you're gonna be totally off grid. Dude, when uh when the whole when the whole COVID thing started, I remember was it a Ray that posted something like, We've been ready for this. And I'm like, yeah, like it wasn't him. Like- <laughs> you remember it was something along those lines. I'm like, damn, should we go move in with them? <laughs> I would feel pretty safe there. <laughs> oh no it's so awesome so yeah tell us about man what do i want to talk about hunting living off the grid building in a farm let's start with fighting vikings how did you how did you choose to live where where you're living at now because it's a pretty cool plot of land you know you got a forest there where you can hunt and and you know like you said i think you're pretty much on track to being just self-sustainable um so we wanted, like, first and foremost, we wanted to move closer to, like, family. Um, uh, when I 
got caught up to the main roster of WWE. You can like kind of live wherever you want as long as it's close to an airport. And we were kind of deciding like, you know, we're trying to always think ahead. And I was like, man, if I were, when we have children, I want them to be around our family. Like we need to move back home. I was like, but moving back home, I want to build something. I don't, I like the, the idea, just for me personally, the idea of like living so close on top, like to someone like on top of people gives me anxiety. I know that like, if, especially during this COVID, like COVID stuff, I know that like where I live, everyone has their own, like, even though there's a bunch of houses near where I am, everyone has their own thing going on. Mm-hmm. They don't need to come to my house because they know I got something cool going on. <laughs> right. Like I'm looking at my yard right now and there's 30 chickens that my neighbor has just running around everywhere. So like I wanted to move to a place where I could have my own little state <laughs> Very where cool. I can, or like I came up with the rules. This is my land. Like, and if you're here and you're not supposed to be, there's no, you don't live right next to me. If you're over here, there's a reason. Like you're not usually over here. So, <laughs> and we also want enough land to like hunt on. Like it's very important to, to Ray and I that we are able to provide for ourselves and our family. Like everything I hunt here um, goes to us and to the family. Like I'm able to provide them with meat and like when we get the chickens going, I'll be able to provide us and the family with eggs. Like the first thing to go in this COVID craziness, besides for a was uh was meat and eggs. Like it was hard to find like, uh, yeah, like people love junk food and people love all that stuff. But when it comes down to it, what do you need? Yeah. What's mm-hmm. going to give you the most calories for the least amount of like effort. Right. Yeah. Like if I, and the highest nutrient value apocalypse would be terrible in my opinion. Like you're going to go out there and forage for hours and hours for very little calories, very, very little calories. Like back in the hunter and gathering days, they didn't really start eating greens and plants and start really with the agriculture until there was too many people for the meat to go around. So like, I believe that if I were living primitively and with like the COVID shit was fucking insane, I would be a hunter, not a gatherer. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to, I tried to get land that would support that, that I have, I have 30 acres of woods and me and my neighbors work together and we hunt like a probably hundred acres that I've got mm-hmm. and we're going to eat cattle. So I'll have like cattle that I can have and like the chickens, like I don't want to plant corn and spend hours upon hours upon hours planting it, waiting, harvesting it. Like that is so much energy for such a little amount of calories. Mm-hmm. And nutrient. Well, okay, so so what um what motivate you motivated you guys to want to live that lifestyle? Was it just wanting to be self sustainable because of thoughts of I don't know a potential apocalypse or a potential like I don't know you know um freak epidemic pandemic or catastrophe or was it just because you like the lifestyle of having your own your you know your growing your chickens and hunting what was it uh definitely just love the lifestyle okay. like i think fear as an initial thing will help you like build this right you're like man i'm scared it's like but but to like maintain a farm is a 24-hour job mm-hmm. 
like these chickens got me waking up every day before the sun comes up so I can let them out. So they have enough daylight in their day to lay the eggs I need. Like it's a, it's a full-time job. And if you're not passionate about it and you're not going to, going to have the passion to give these animals what they need to like live. Cause we want to grass feed our animals. Mm-hmm. We don't want to feed them corn. We don't want to feed them a bunch of like filler stuff because like if I eat great and my dog eats great, I don't want to be slaughtered and eating something that doesn't also eat great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes like, sense. I want and the cool thing about the Highland cows is they're so furry, they don't carry a lot of fat. They're marbled well, but they don't have that fat that you just cut off and waste. So like the animals I'm getting, like the chickens, the cows, the land, all of it's going to help our lifestyle because we're passionate about living it. And we want to every year slowly lower our cost of living so I don't have to worry about really having a job. I can just sell stuff off the land that pays for the cows and pays for the feed and pays for everything and not have to worry about what anyone else is doing. Just kind of worry about what we're doing. (laughs) So is the goal with the cows that you're getting now, because you got two of them, right? And one of which is pregnant, you said? Yeah, and one's pregnant. So is the goal to create a whole herd eventually like breed the cows and probably right of course subject to change i might change my mind but right now we want to bring the two cows in the mom's gonna have her baby Mm -hmm. hopefully the bull we got will mate with the mom they'll have another baby and the bull if the girl if the if the cow is a girl she'll mate with that kid because they're not related right the bull will mate with that 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 cow as well and um when the bull that impregnated those two cows gets, when he's like 2,000 pounds, we'll slaughter him, eat him, and either buy another bull, or if that cow had another bull, we'll keep that one. So we'll probably, yeah. probably in the rotation, probably have about four cows always. How long? Once so stuff starts going. When you, when you kill the one cow and eat it, how long does that last you? Like a 2,000 pound cow? Like, 750 pounds of meat. Wow. Per you get, cow. Sir, sir, and dude. the average human, like, what's that? No, go ahead. The average human eats about 200 pounds of meat a year. Okay. We're not average humans. Like, we probably eat more than that. That's the majority of my diet. But, like, we have, I have 20, like, other family members just in this immediate area. So like the meat will go to a good, like a good place and like, they'll know what we feed the cows. And, and I think we're doing that. Like I really like is a lot of people have like the gone backyard cows. They like kind of raise their own cattle just for their own consumption. However, the cows last day, they put the cow in a, in a, in like a, in a trailer, ship the cow off to get a slaughter. Like we're, it's going to be like hard obviously, but we're going to try to slaughter the cows here. So they don't have that stress of they live their whole lives kind of being stress-free in their last few hours of their life. They're freaking terrified. Yeah. Sure. I also think that that like doing it yourself kind of gives you a whole new appreciation for the food that you're eating too. Right. For sure. So I don't waste any of the deer I kill. Yeah. I have a connection with that. Right. If I waste it, like I would feel awful. Yeah. So like how many times have you like bought a bunch of meat from the store, cook some, left some in the fridge, you're like, oh shit, we forgot about this, just mm-hmm. throw it out. Mm-hmm. 
Like you're probably not going to do that or do that as often if you raise this animal. Mm-hmm. If you understand what this animal is giving to you, you're not going to just be like, "Ah, oh, shit, we forgot about that." Just, just get rid of it, toss yeah. it out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you, Sarah? Do you get a lot of heat for hunting and doing your own thing? <laughs> so much so much people are like i hope that deer kills you now so why don't you just kill babies that's the same thing and i'm like whoa all right first of all (laughs) no second of all i people don't realize what i put into myself to hunt Mm -hmm. all the pressure i put on myself to hunt like i shoot every day in my backyard to make sure when the red light is on and I have to take this deer that I'm giving it like the best shot that I have. Mm-hmm. And like people don't understand the work I put into my woods to make sure the deer have the best life they can have before I decide to harvest one or to kill one. Mm-hmm. And like when I kill stuff, I don't trophy buck hunt. I don't like, if I get a big buck, yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to eat that buck the same as I would eat the doe. Mm-hmm. Like in the state of Ohio, I can kill four does and one buck. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just kill the one buck and then I use all my tags and I eat all of them. Mm-hmm. And I understand that like people think it's unethical and like people get all up in arms about it, especially on social media when they can hide behind their respective phone. But I have people giving me shit that like eat meat. It's weird. Cause and they're like... It seems They're like, oh, it's different. I, I buy it at a store. Like, I'm actually going out there and killing it. And I'm like, all right. If you choose to just hide behind something and think that your cow just died of old age, like, that's cool. <laughs> but these deer, nine times out of it, these deer out here aren't dying of old age. They're getting either sick and eaten by coyotes. They're getting injured and eaten by coyotes. They're getting hit by cars. They're getting so overpopulated that they can't eat and they're starving to death and getting slower than getting eaten by coyotes. Like Mm -hmm. these deer aren't just like living this great life and then just going under a log somewhere and slowly dying. People forget (laughs) that, that in the animal kingdom, when you you die by being eaten. Yeah. It's brutal out there. That's just Just what happens. Go watch nature's (laughs) metal for 10 seconds. Yeah. But no, no, you're right. Nothing's dying of old age. And I feel like. Go watch freaking Lion King. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's been in our culture forever and like this is like a totally like just my opinion but like we were made to eat meat the way our teeth are shaped the way our like if you look how a cow eats it's like we don't mm-hmm. chew in circles right just our teeth like I'm doing even this personally I'm doing what I was made to do I'm doing what the top of the food chain has allowed me to do and I don't know, I just get great pleasure in providing for myself and I take great comfort in knowing where my food has come from. Like you watch any documentaries about like mass farming and while some of it is like while some of it is, you know, just all the bad and none of the good, like there's plenty of good farm. I know I know personally five farmers down the road from me that raise cattle and treat them just fine, but like I don't know. I just like to do it myself. I'm selfish. I want to put the best things <laughs> inside my body at all times. No, I get that for sure. Now, how does so? How does all the all the Viking stuff you guys do tie into you know the the rest of your lives? 
Um, Vikings have been like put on hold because of COVID. Like they haven't been able to train, which has really sucked. But um, me and Ray love history, um, and particularly like the Viking age of history. It's just very fascinating to us. And we just found this group, and we started in Florida where they do like competitive fighting with Viking weapons. And upon first look, I even thought I was like, I don't want to do LARPing. I don't have imagination for it. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I just can't. And it. You say LARPing? Is, is that live action role play? Yeah, with like wizards and fireballs and. You're right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and um, I kind of took a liking to this because it's competitive sword fighting. It's like fancy crowbar fight club. It's. <laughs> like this still like really hurts like you have to have technique like it's it's a really weird amazing thing that you kind of you have to be all in or you're out like we do dress up in like Viking events we'll dress up in um historically accurate should call them costumes but they have to be historically accurate like I have chosen to mimic a Irish Viking so all everything I wear from the swords I use to the shoes I wear, everything is based off of grave finds in Ireland. Uh, I think it's really interesting. And like, <laughs> I've proved a lot of people that like, that sounds stupid. And I'm like, I'm telling you that you can take this sword and hit people with it. People are like, Oh, I'll give it a try. And then they're smiling like five minutes later. Like what person as a kid didn't sword fight with sticks or didn't, <laughs> Like, it's just fun. And uh, that's kind of why we do it is for fun. And we're trying to actually build a Viking longhouse for our chickens. A what? So we have a, little, a Viking? Like a Viking longhouse. Oh, wow. Because they have that's to have cool. a chicken coop where they get eaten by. Yeah, chickens whatever. are the worst defenders <laughs> ever. They either have a fight or flight thing, and they can't fight. And they can't even fly that well. So we have to <laughs> lock them up at night so they don't get eaten by everything else. But uh, <laughs> we're going to try to make it like a Viking long haul. That's so, cool. Um, the chickens and kind of live in a Viking world. And that's kind of <laughs> cool that uh, you were sort of able to reflect that part of your life that's important to you in your WWE persona too. Yeah. Was that a was that a struggle? Because you know you're not you know you're not you don't really follow the the flow of what WWE divas sort of you know have always been. Yeah. When I when I met, which I think is super cool. It is so cool when I when I met you. And, you know, you reached out to me for help with training and I looked into your profile. I'm like, whoa, is that what a WWE wrestler looks like? That's badass. Like, because the idea, you know, I'm not in that world. I'm not like exposed to it. I was never, you know, I never watched TV, watched WWE. So when I started looking into your your page, I'm like, damn, like this girl's actually athletic. Like she can actually fight, you know, beyond just the, the role playing WWE. She can, she looks badass. She's not wearing a face full of makeup. She's being like her own self. She's like a true warrior. Like that's, that's freaking (laughs) cool. So it was, it's, yeah, it's a character that's totally different from kind of mainstream WWE characters. Did did you just like walk into Vince McMahon's office and be like, hey, you know that thing you guys have been doing for like all of the years? Uh, I'm going to do the opposite of that. (laughs) And he was just like, okay. (laughs) Kind of. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, so uh, I've always been, you know, weird and different and whatever. It, it just put this out. In my family, I'm not. 
But in the outside outside world, yeah, Um, especially when you get into like show business and stuff. And um, and I when I first got to WWE, like it's just a thing that girls did. You get there, you you change out of your fancy dresses and your high heels. You get into athletic, like you get into yoga pants and T-shirt. You go sit in a chair and get your makeup done. And so when I got there, I was like, oh, this is kind of what we do. Like, okay. And after like a month or the first month, my face was freaking out. Like I was getting like <laughs> shit around my eye and like I, my face just didn't like what I was doing to it. From the makeup. And um, yeah, the makeup. Wow. And I would look at pictures of myself and be like, I don't freaking look like that. Like that bothers me. Like what I'm seeing doesn't look like my face. Like that, that me personally bothered me. And I was like, my eyebrows look nothing like that. But <laughs> so I went into Vince's office and was like, and I knew if I went in there, like, hey, do you think it's a good idea? If like I don't, if I wasn't sure, it would get shut down. So I went in there like more confident than I've ever been in my damn life. And I went in there and I was like, I don't want to wear makeup anymore. I was like, it, my face doesn't like it. I don't like the way my face looks with it. I was like, I don't think I need it. He's like, yeah, I think your face is expressive enough not to wear makeup. And I was like, all right, cool, thank you. Because everyone else was like, kind of giving me shit about not wearing makeup. Like, kind of like I didn't care as much as the other person because I wasn't wearing makeup. Mm-hmm. Which saying it out loud is insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but perception is reality. So I had to like... I, I had to actually go into Vince's office and when someone would approach me with a subject, I had to be like, Vince said it was okay. And he's the emperor. So like, right. The emperor. it's done after that. <laughs> so did people eventually sort of accept that that's your thing? Or do you think people even up until recently have a problem with that? I'm sure people, when I'm not there, think it's an issue. But like when I'm there and like, I'm a happy person. So like, if you shit on me, that's kind of (laughs) shitty. You know, even when I talk about Viking fighting, like I'm so happy and passionate about it. If you shit on it, that's on you. Like how could you possibly badmouth something or be mean about something that makes me so happy? Yeah. So I'm sure like to my face, like everyone was like, I think it's so cool how you're breaking the mold and blah, blah, blah. But like, who knows what they were saying? To me, yes, they 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 were they were very nice after the fact that I talked to Vince. That like, it makes me so different. It makes me so. And honestly, I think a lot of the girls are so much prettier without makeup. And like, I'll I'll and I it breaks my heart when I see someone in person that is so much prettier and comes across as so much more beautiful in person than they do on their social media account. Mm-hmm. I want to be like. The, these pictures of you are not what make you beautiful. I promise you that. Like if you post these, every, like every once in a while, it's fine. I was like, but this is not what makes you beautiful. And I wish I could just shake you until you understood that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a good message for sure. And I think, I mean, your character in WWE. I mean, you have proof of concept. It's one. Of, you're one of the most popular ones. So I feel like that's an easy defense right there. You know. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. Do you see yourself as kind of like a, a role model for younger women? And was that your and goal? And older women? <laughs> and men? Um, <laughs> on like first impression, on first impression, I'd be like, no, I'm just being myself. Mm-hmm. However, I know if I was a little kid and I saw me on TV, that's just because I'm me and I like myself, I guess. Which, <laughs> 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 But I would be like, I'd be like, this girl's freaking awesome. Like, I didn't grow up 
with like Barbies and stuff like that. Like my role models were like Sigourney Weaver and the chick from Underworld and like these badass females like were my role models. And I just knew how much I appreciated seeing that and seeing women like doing awesome things without the need to feel what you know lesser than that mm-hmm. like i i i think steffi is a huge role model for people mm-hmm. like astronomical like you don't know how many girls i know that know who you are and are like like when you walked into the pc so many WWE girls wrote me and were like oh my god i didn't know how to act like she's just so awesome like <laughs> just seeing her roll around like did you see her legs when she got up she's just freaking jack like just <laughs> girls freaking out and like if you're a like if you're a normally minded person, you're not going to think that much of yourself just because you're not an egomaniac. Right. Yeah. Right. But like the amount of influence you have on people is something you can't even mm-hmm. comprehend. Mm-hmm. Like even you like set like Stephanie, for instance, like you can't even like, I know I saw it, saw your stuff and was like, how much does this girl weigh? Mm-hmm. Like, and she's looked in, I tell this, like Ray's brother came in here and deadlifted like five or seven pounds. And I was like, he was all, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's like, blah, blah. I was like, let me come with you real quick and show you. This. <laughs> 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 it's just like, like women are freaking doing some awesome shit. And like, I think that's one awesome thing about social media. Like if you follow the right, like sure. Social media can be something that's shitty and terrible I know. I'll pet you. I'm sure it like be shitty and terrible, but if you surround yourself or follow the correct people, it's going to do the opposite effect. You know, Mm -hmm. there are some influencers out here that are actually worth a while, worth your while. Yeah, for sure. Social media is what you make of it. I think that the the things that you follow and you choose to spend your time and energy on, on social media are a reflection of you and your interests, not social media as a whole. Mm-hmm. So like you said, you can choose to follow people who are promoting great messages or people who are, who are educating, or you can follow a bunch of accounts that show their butts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the decision is really up to you. Right. So mm-hmm. I just love, I just love connecting and I, I love connecting with women who follow their passions and independently of what society thinks of that. You know, that for me is just such a, I admire that so much in women. We recently had an, another friend of mine, Michelle, and, you know, she, she she's doing her own thing. She comes from a traditional family and a traditional kind of job line, and she just chose to do whatever it is that made her happy. She's a speaker. She talks about, she motivates people, whatever. And same for you, right? Like you just, you're doing what makes you happy independently of what society thought you should have done right maybe get a job as an accountant or like i don't know be a lawyer sarah the viking accountant oh my god (laughs) flashing your tax prices but um like this is just something i like recently even started really like talking about but like i came from a house that was like like my mom had bad drug problems and my dad was a truck driver so he was like he would the truck drivers that like went away for several weeks so my dad was like never home. And I think it's important to know that you can kind of break that cycle in your family. Like my mom wasn't the first person in my family with substance abuse with, and no one, and everyone in my family, like kind of, you know, was broken by that and then pass that on the next generation, mm-hmm. broken by it, pass that on the next generation. Because like, 
your childhood was shitty or something, even if your child as a whole is a shitty, like something traumatic happened to you, like you still are able to forge your own path and like be who the hell you want to be. Like I had none of my family wasn't wrestling. Like none of my, like I come from a family of just blue collar workers that would go to work, were depressed about their work, go to a bar, get drunk, whatever. Mm-hmm. Rinse, rinse, wash, repeat. Like, mm-hmm. and you just have to be the one to like break that cycle and like raise kids that don't have to recover from their childhood. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of why I'm excited to start a family. Like I have, me and my family have gone through like, and luckily they were even like game for this. Me and my family have gone through like therapy and stuff to kind of build, fix what's happening, not just kind of ignore it. Like do the American thing of like, yeah, that was like, that was shitty. That really fucked me up. But you know, we just don't talk about it and it's fine. (laughs) So I I talked to my, like talked to my therapist lady and she was like, have you in your like siblings ever talked about how all this stuff affected you? And I was like, no, we have not at all. And it was really cool to kind of know that like, you're not alone in this, in your feelings, you're not alone and you don't feel bad about what you did. Or like, maybe you did something you thought affected your sibling and you talk to them about it and find out that it's not as bad as you thought it was. So mm-hmm. just kind of coming from nothing to making something is absolutely attainable. You just have to be a psychopath and, get it done work be the hardest worker in the room and the smartest worker i guess working smart and hard the limit doesn't exist of how much you can achieve you got that message right (laughs) sister um did you do any sort of traditional sports growing up like where where did your athletic background come from because you're obviously very like you have a great athletic aptitude so i'm just interested to hear what how you got there uh, I, uh, sports were kind of like my, like, escape into stuff. Like, um, I played baseball from when I was five and then transitioned to softball. So it was like eight, I, pl- I played it forever. And I remember being in baseball and finding out that I had to go play softball. And was like, the, what, what, <laughs> what do you mean? I have, like, I just couldn't understand why the girls and the guys, I was like, I'm better than freaking 95% of the boys on this team. How do you mean I have to freaking... <laughs> Just go for girls. I was like, is there enough girls to play this? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I played um, I played baseball, basketball. I swam. I did diving for a little bit. Um, I was, uh, I wrestled for a while until I became a woman. And my dad didn't think that it was a good idea for me to keep wrestling. Joke's on him. Um, <laughs> especially because I'm like, my dad has four sons and I'm the only uh I'm the only athlete in the family. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what uh, brother, number of sibling are you in the order? Yeah. Are you the youngest? Uh, I am. Uh, I have two older brothers and a younger brother, so I'm kind of in the middle. Yeah. Okay. But two of them are from the like from the Philippines, and cause my dad was a marine. Went to the went to the Philippines, did marine stuff, got a girl pregnant, brought her back. <laughs> They got a divorce, met my mom. She already had me. So I have two stepbrothers and one half-brother. And then mm-hmm. my mom and my stepdad gotcha. came together and had my little brother. A typical Midwest family just scattered all over the place. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and uh, I kept playing softball and diving up into high school. Cause I remember swimming was so tiring. Like in all the sports I did, nothing made me as tired. Like I could eat so much. I don't know if it's not swallowing a bunch of water because I was swimming. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I was just so, it was so exhausting that I was like, yeah, let me try diving. And it was not as exhausting. So I just stuck to diving. And, uh, but, um, when I, I was, started working when I was 14, like I volunteered at animal hospital from like 12 to 13 and I had them sign a permission slip that I had to bring in my school that actually actually brought in as an employee. Wow. If I worked a certain amount of hours. So I've been like working since I was 14. Cause like, like so my house at the time was not a place I wanted to be. So I moved out when I was like 16. Wow. And, uh, I know like sports kind of took a back burner when I started working because I was working to live, you know? And, uh, and even though I think like, even though my dad wasn't around a lot, like his work ethic was insane. Like if, uh, if, if all of his faults, like anything he, that, that he freaking worked. And I guess that kind of like rubbed off on me and and I just, it made, makes me feel good if I'm like constantly doing something to better my situation, even by a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of, if you're, if you're like rolling with someone in like jujitsu, you're just incrementally making your situation better, even by a little bit, mm-hmm. even if it's just nudging little by little bit to get your shoulder back where you need it to get your arm up there. Like mm-hmm. just constantly, like there's never a day I'm like, I can't, I can do something today, mm-hmm. something that'll get me. If not, I just spiral and I just, I'm like, nothing's ever going to happen. So I had like a midlife crisis when I was like 12, when I was like 20. <laughs> I was like, WB's not hiring me. Like what up? Cause I was doing extra for WB forever and actually had to try out WB and they're like, we'll hire you someday. And I was like, I can't do that. I can't just wait. So I joined the fire department. I like stood in front of the firefighter headquarters and the police headquarters. And I was like, I'm going to do one of these, but I do like helping people, but only if they really need help. If you, if you, don't, if I think you're bullshitting me, I'm just gonna shut you away. So like, I joined the fire department, and I was on the fire department for like a month. My W contract came in, and I was like, oh, damn it, oh okay. Start wow. this chapter of my life now too. What's uh, what's the sickest fight you ever had? I the Ronda Rousey one was pretty dope. Yeah, wrestling Ronda. I think rest. Wrestling Ronda was so interesting because she brought a different mindset to wrestling that had like the women's division didn't have. In what way? Like she had the way she understood, like just fighting, you know, she'd been fighting for like, since she was a little kid. So I would put her in something. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to like wrestling. You get stuck in this, like, this is what wrestling people do. This is what wrestlers do. And Ronda would like, well, as a, like ju- like a judo expert, this is what I would do. And you're like, oh, that's freaking cool. That's different. Hell yeah, let's do that. Like I put her, it's called an inverted clover loop. So like I tie your legs up and I lift you between, like you're laying on the ground and I deadlift you up. And like, so you're like in a scorpion position and I like have your legs. And this chick had the core strength to walk up the ropes while I have her in this thing <laughs> and like roll me over the top rope. It was, it was awesome. Wow. So, um, that and uh, there was the first and only to this day, all women's pay per view. Me and the girls I wrestled with, we were in like a six man, the pay per view was called Evolution. 
Um, and we had like a six man tag match and we were just like butter. Like it was, it was just a cool match. That's so awesome. But, um, I've been, uh, since wrestling is over, I've always kind of wanted to, I trained have a main like for a little bit while I live in Louisville, but wrestling is what fed me. So I just, the, the guy told me, he was like, you can either fight or you can wrestle. Like you can't commit the time to both. And I was like, I got to wrestle, dude. So I left. And now that like, I'm kind of just starting this farm. I've, I might be taking an MMA fight in the foreseeable future training like crazy. So I think everyone should at least fight once. Just to kind of see what you're, you know, test your metal, like see what yeah. you're made of. That's cool. Do you have a, like any sort of timeline for that? Or you just want to train until you're ready and think about it down the road? I'll probably be ready for a fight in like six months. Wow. Like the ground stuff is fine. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good on the ground. Like if I were, if I were to fight someone, I'm, I'm going to try to take them down, but mm-hmm. all fights start standing up. Right. Sure. Yeah. And, be- and besides, like just getting in fights in school and stuff, like I, <laughs> my stand up is not where it needs to be to pursue an MMA thing of anything. So I, uh, I've been, I've been doing more cardio than I've ever done in my life, like insane amounts of cardio. What, what are you doing uh, for cardio? I found, I found out I can't really run. <laughs> I ran a five k, and the side of my my knees are great. And I ran this 5K and the outside of my left knee just didn't like it. So I was like, maybe it's because I was on gravel. So I tried to run and like, I, I ran like two miles, like through the woods. Again, knee friggin' didn't like it. So I don't know. I, any other cardio is fine. Squatting's fine. Sprinting's fine. Just any long distance running I do, just my outside of my left knee just doesn't like it. So. How about jump rope? Well, did you go? Did you go from zero k to five straight to five k? Oh yeah, yeah. That might have probably, something to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I jump rope for ten minutes a day, every day. That's just though, like a warm up <laughs> to yeah. the actual cardio. Rhonda Rousey actually, we Facetime every day, and she jump ropes with me. She'll be like in bed, and I'm like, she's in California. I'm like, hey, I'm jump rope. She's like, all right, what's up? It this chick like gets up. I'm a dead sleep, goes in her garage and like jumps with ropes with me for like 10 minutes. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Your vir- virtual training partner. That's a, that's a good freaking good virtual training partner. Yeah, for sure. I really want to. she's wanna... an Olympic athlete, like if anything were to kick my ass into gear, it would be <laughs> that. Yeah. That's great. So that's awesome. what's, what's next for you? Just mostly um, tend into the farm, go in the farm. I think I'm going to, I haven't like nailed it quite down yet but i think i'm going to start trying to like make a little something about our life day to day in the farm like between mma training viking fighting possibly like if i ever go back to wwe like our lives are so crazy and interesting and i think like a youtube series or something would be would be pretty sweet to do yeah you need Um, a reality tv show oh yeah i'd watch that i'd watch it and I'm kind of like filming stuff now to try to like kind of test it out. I'm going to, since our chickens aren't going to be getting fed any grass, I'm trying to feed them. She is killing this bone over here. I'm trying to feed them uh, stuff in the, like from the garden. So even though I don't really eat, I know this is going to kill you guys just to hear, but I don't really eat vegetables. I just eat meat. So when I'm planting stuff for my chickens, um, 
So I've never really planted before. So this YouTube series, it happens. It's going to kind of be about like me learning how to do all this shit. Cause I've never really done it before. Like by myself, like we're, we got 20 chickens, we're getting cows, we're starting a freaking garden. We're um, revamping our woods to make it a better whitetail habitat. We're going to be building, building stuff. And like, I'm sure like the emotional toll raising these cows and then preparing to kind of like slaughter them. I'm sure there's going to be an emotional toll on like breeding these calves and like when they have their babies and, and if I do decide to, if, you know, my training goes well and I do decide to take a fight, I think that would be cool content to watch as well. Like the whole, my gym is just amazing. Like go strong equipment, you know, with, with like seeing it for you guys, like they outfitted my, my gym and like Thunderdome stuff. And we got like wrestling mats in there. We got like tie bags and pads and it's just, the chickens are also in there right now because they're like this big. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, your gym is pretty dope. Oh, you're gonna have to come down the th- here and the Thunderdome is what you call it, right? Yeah. Your gym? We were embarrassed when you guys came, so we have like probably five hundred more pounds of weights <laughs> in the gym. We were like, it's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Steffi could literally deadlift all the weights I have in my gym right now. It's not <laughs> What's everyone else gonna work out with? So, but um, I have a lot more time on my hands now. Once we get the cows settled in, um, my mom is be, oh, like over the moon that we are getting farm animals because we grew up like in the sticks. My, I had an uncle Tater, had an uncle Tater, rest in peace. But he um, had a bunch of cows that he raised for beef. But he always would name the cows after me. Like how messed up is that? What the hell? Like there was Sarah Sai, which is, I couldn't say my name when I was a kid, but I could say Sarah Sai. So that was my nickname growing up, Sarah Sai. Uh, there was Sarah Bell, there was Sarah Elizabeth, there was Sarah, and all these cows grew up and then they slaughtered them. And I was like, can we just name the cow anything else besides <laughs> me, after me? Like, oh I was they just thought it was, my family name is Macaulay, and it, it hurts to be Macaulay. Like, you gotta grow up tough, and you gotta know how to, like, mess around and bully people back, or it's, and it's <laughs> that's why I'm probably such a bully today, so. No, oh, you're a sweetheart. I'm mean, but I mean well. If that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. Just like you. Just like me. Hey, Sarah, I actually, before I let you go, I hate this question when I get asked, but, you know, so don't feel pressured to answer it. But what's the best advice you could give, you know, a younger girl who's aspiring to be in the WWE? It's a tough one because there's a lot, but if you can nail it down. Be unapologetically yourself. Like, if you're trying to be someone else, someone already has that spot, and maybe they're being themselves, and they're going to do it better than you, and no one can do you better than you. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to make you money, and that's what's going to make you different, and that's what's going to make you the, the happiest. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if I try to be Steffi Cohen, you'd make more money being Steffi Cohen than I'd be making being, being Steffi Cohen because you were fucking Steffi Cohen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So you're going to be the most successful being the shit out of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's such a great message. And I think you're also great uh, proof 
uh, of that methodology. Yeah. You know what? And and a lot of people, I think, think that there's nothing authentic about themselves, but 100% of the time there is something like you have a quirk, you have like something about the way you smile, the way you laugh or the way that you are just this one thing you like to do that no one else likes to do. There's always something authentic and genuine about each one of us. It's just a matter of allowing yourself to express that, you know? And like surround yourself with people who encourage that. Encourage and accept. Yeah. Like, like my husband, like is like the best dude I know. And like, besides all the stuff that he does for me, probably the, the sole thing that I appreciate the most is he just lets me be who I am mm-hmm. and say like, like I've had like issues in past relationships where like I'm passionate about a lot of things and I would move on to like do something else. And they're like, they're like, you're changing. Like, this isn't you. Like, like you were doing this. Like, why would you want to do this? You're changing. Blah, blah, blah. Like screw that. Find someone you can like grow with and find people around you that you can grow with because you're two months ago, I wasn't going to get any cows. Now I'm going to get freaking three cows and raise them. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) find someone you can grow with. And that, like, I think you guys are great examples as well. Like you guys built hybrid. You grew this together and you guys are still growing Mm -hmm. at a crazy rate. Mm -hmm. Like find someone, even if it's not a partner, just find friends and find people around you that you can grow with and just thrive with. Absolutely. I love that. Awesome. Sarah, where can people find you? Um, nowhere. Do never come to my (laughs) (laughs) show. On on the interwebs, Uh, on the interwebs. (laughs) Yeah. Very, very private here at, uh, we call it Roseborg. Um, but (laughs) on my, uh, social medias are Sarah Rowe. Um, if I get this YouTube series, I will also share it on there. I'm not posting a lot right now. Um, you can kind of see what I did, I guess, previously. All that stuff's still on there. But stay tuned just to, like, see what I got brewing here because it's really freaking cool. Like, all my energy that was on wrestling is now on this. So I'm going to make something great out of it. And I would, I think it would be really cool for people to see that journey as it begins. Yeah. So Sarah well, Rowe, I'm excited to see it. Sarah Rowe on Instagram. Awesome. Oh man, that was a dog so much. Oh my god, you little rough so dog. <laughs> I love that sweater. <laughs> That's well, it's been, we heat our house with just wood, and um, I I can tolerate it. Okay, I can tolerate it to like fifty degrees. Like I can live in a fifty degree house, but like she, uh, she gets a little cold with her little pit bull mm-hmm. fur, so we keep her in a sweat. That's <laughs> adorable. Awesome. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you, and uh, hopefully you can come visit us soon, or we can go visit you. Yes, soon. I will. Appreciate you guys too. Bye. Bye. Yeah.